Hello, my name is Shireen Jordan and welcome to Tea and Tonic. This podcast is about giving my guests from all different creative industries the chance to tell us about how they got to where they are today, while we both sip a tea or perhaps something a bit stronger with a tonic. It's a chance for those affected by the impact of lockdown, the opportunity to chat, because talking is, as the saying goes, just the tonic. I hope you enjoy it with a beverage in hand. It's Saturday, September the 19th, 2020, and my guest today is dancer and choreographer Tommy Franzen from Sweden. Tommy started his dance training in street dance, aged 10. By 14, he'd got a part in his first musical, Joseph, and at 19, he moved to the UK, getting a scholarship for a three-year performing arts diploma at Erdang Academy in London. In 2010, he was runner-up on So You Think You Can Dance, and in 2012, he was nominated for an Olivier Award for Outstanding Achievement in Dance. His film credits include Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, both Mamma Mia films, and Cats the Movie. Tommy ventured into choreography about 10 years ago, which has seen him most recently work on 2021 film Everybody's Talking About Jamie, Kate Prince's Zoo Nation dance shows, Some Like It Hip Hop, The Mad Hatter's Tea Party, and Message in a Bottle, all three of which he starred in, and since 2018, he's been part of the Strictly Come Dancing family. It gives me great pleasure, after all of that, to welcome Tommy Franzen. Hello! Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing to do this, Tommy. I really appreciate it. You've done so many things, which we will talk about uh, momentarily. Uh, Hmm. First of all, what beverage have you got today? I've got a uh, green tea, just loose leaves in my cup. Um, Jade needle tea, that was it. Very nice. (laughs) And that's the proper stuff because it's loose leaf as well. Yeah, yeah. This is why you look so good, Tommy. This is why you are in peak health condition. Um, (laughs) So I've got two drinks because I couldn't decide. Um, I've got a Rubosh tea. Um, mm. because I was out and about earlier, so it's still in my thermal, so I haven't finished it yet. And I've also got a gin and tonic. Oh, there we go. Um, nice combo. Yeah. So, you know, hydration <laughs> and dehydration. Dehydration. There we go. <laughs> All in balance, yin and yang. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tommy, so I mentioned there in the intro that you started dancing from just the age of 10. Hmm. Was it an instant love affair with street dance? Um, it pretty much was, because uh, my sister was dancing when she was uh, younger, and I used to watch her do ballet shows and things like that, and it never grabbed me at all. Uh, but then uh, it was um, a guy called David Johnson that moved from California to uh, Sweden, uh, and he eventually opened up a dance school, and he started teaching street dance amongst other style- styles, but it was something we hadn't seen um, in down south in Sweden anywhere at that point. So my sister started taking classes. I was watching them dance. And then they found me like watching them dance, but I was doing the robot or trying to do the robot like <laughs> next to them. Uh, and that's what it was the point when David was like, maybe we should put him in class. Um, so they did. So my dad and my sister put me in one of, one of the classes. Uh, and uh, I actually didn't enjoy the first class at all because I felt very exposed mm-hmm. in front of the mirrors and I thought I was the worst one in there and it was just I just thought it was horrible so when I when we left I told my sister and my dad I, I never want to go back again <laughs> <laughs> and they were so shocked because they were like 
what do you mean? Like, you were the best one in there. And I was like, I was? Oh, okay. So I went back and then, yeah, never looked back since then. That's amazing. And yeah. so did it quite quickly become something that you started to love doing and realise that you were good as well? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, from the second class, I think I just then loved it. Um, just with that little bit of a confidence boost was all I needed, I guess. And um, and then at the end of that um, term, uh, we did a performance. And I think I got the, the buzz from that, like performing as well. So there was all in a theatre and so on and sold out with all the parents and whatever, you know, <laughs> whoever was coming to watch it. Tommy, it's so refreshing to hear you say that, you know, the first class was almost quite overwhelming with the mirrors and you can see mm. everything. Because I think for a lot of people, whatever kind of class they're going to, it can be really daunting to begin with. Yeah, um, it's kind of strange because I hadn't really seen myself in that kind of room before. And I, I couldn't judge what was good and what was bad. So I just assume that, that was bad, you know, because I was one of the younger ones mm. in there and just, the, the, you know, the teenagers would look great doing it, I thought. But um, yeah. Wow. It's... And then did you start to do other forms of dance as well? Eventually I did. Um, it wasn't until I got a part in Joseph that I kind of, I discovered musical theatre mm-hmm. uh, and with that I discovered jazz mm-hmm. um, and tap and so on. So yeah, so that was very exciting that it was like other styles out there that I could do. <laughs> so, oh, what's this? What's this? <laughs> yeah. And um, were you and your sister competitive when it came to dance? Uh, not really, actually. We worked together a lot. So it was more in that way, because she was in the musical as well. And it was part of the reason I probably got it. Because um, uh, she was in it and someone dropped out and I had watched it like 25 times. I was obsessed by the musical. And and then when someone dropped out, they asked if I wanted to do it because they had seen me dance at like you know, the press night party and stuff. Me and my sister would perform and that kind of thing. And so. this was a big show, wasn't it? And And you were only 14. Yeah, yeah. So I played one of the uh, adult roles, so not the, the ensemble with the kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal. Like that was the biggest theatre I performed God. for. Uh, it was, I think it was almost a thousand people um, in that theatre. Wow. So yeah, it was a pretty big deal for me. <laughs> and at this point, as a teenager, were you thinking? this is something I could perhaps do as a living? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved it. I, I got so the buzz going on the stage with Joseph and all the music and everyone singing and, you know, it was an uh, incredible feeling, actually. So I was completely hooked from then. I knew pretty early that that was going to be my future in dance and musical theatre. Yeah. So yeah. you then did a number of shows, which hmm. pretty much took you up until 1819. You were in West Side Story, Fiddler on the Roof, The King and I. That's yeah. a fantastic grounding to have as a, as a teenager at such a young age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. It was kind of a juggle to do school at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and year, what would it be? And this is Sweden, so we don't call it year... Um, 
seven or nine or so, but it would have been equivalent of uh, year seven to nine mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing Joseph and I went into West Side Story. And I could still manage quite well without doing too much homework because I didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. But from year 10, I guess, it started getting quite tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, eventually, actually, I, I dropped out of school because I... I knew I wanted to do and what I was studying was only really to do further studies. Mm-hmm. That was where it was going to lead me. Um, so yeah, so I, I took a tough decision and I, I left halfway through okay. after a year and a half. Yeah. Did yeah. you then decide to move to the UK and then audition for the Erdang Academy or did you go to the audition, get the place and then, and then move? Yeah, I auditioned for Erdang in Sweden because um, someone from Erdang came over who was also working for BBO, the uh, British Ballet Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, me and some friends uh, auditioned. And I hadn't really thought about like, going to London at that point, but I knew I wanted to do get trained properly. Uh, but I thought it was going to be in Sweden. So I went to a few auditions there and I went to the Erdang one. I got into a few of the um, Swedish ones, but I got a scholarship for Erdang. And I, I I felt like my strength in dance was that I had the street dance background mm-hmm. or foundation. So I was dancing very differently to everyone else who was trained in Sweden. So, and I wanted to kind of continue down that line. I didn't want to become one of the others in a way. So I wanted to be trained differently, come back and just be very different to everyone else. But it didn't happen that way that I went back. So, <laughs> Okay. So yeah. you got the place and you yeah. moved to London. And what were the three years like? Um, I actually loved it. I loved training I felt like I needed a bit of a break in a, in a sense of having lots of responsibility and this and that um of just going somewhere with a suitcase and all you focus on is training which is brilliant but also it was humbling because I had been working professionally and all the others in my class hadn't so and obviously the education is about leading up to be on stage for the first time and so on so um yeah, so it, it, sometimes it could be a little bit difficult because I had done so many shows. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on the other hand, I just looked at it. It's just training, you know. And did you feel like you were able to to hone your dance craft and, and improve and get better and better? Yeah, definitely. Particularly in the uh, in ballet, contemporary. I hadn't done contemporary before and I, I really loved it. Um, ballet, I always found quite difficult because I don't have natural <laughs> turnout or rotation of the leg <laughs> and so on but uh, first year it was just doing basic ballet classes and then from year two and three I started to really enjoy it when you get to kind of you get better improve and you get to do the cool stuff <laughs> or the fun stuff <laughs> jumping and spinning and yeah they're very different art forms aren't they that must have you know blown your mind for a time uh, it did. Um, it, it really did. They they had like different levels of ballet at Erdang and they had beginners and intermediate advanced or something like that. But there was quite a few boys of us that had 
very poor ballet technique. So they started a group called Basic Ballet <laughs> for just us. <laughs> so that's why I started. <laughs> Tommy, um, it's good to know that you can, someone yeah. like you started doing Basic and look where you now are now. So that fills, you know, all of us with a bit of hope, I think. <laughs> um, but in terms of um, like my, the street dance and hip hop side, um, we didn't do much in college at all. Um, so I was relying on what I had learned in the past. Uh, but then I was lucky to get um, audition for a show called Bounce. Mm-hmm. And it was a Swedish uh, street dance group that came to the Roundhouse, I think, 2001. And they, the show absolutely blew up. It was incredible. I went to see it. But then they were making a UK version of that show with a UK production. And the, the Swedish guys had left it and sold the rights, basically. So I auditioned for that uh, and, and got it, which meant that I had to take about three months off from college okay. in my year two. But again, that gave me so much education, like in terms of hip hop and breakdancing, because everyone was amazing in the cast. So I, I learned so, so, so much during those, like, six months, I think it was. When you're in a show like that, do you have to go to the gym in the morning before rehearsals and before warm-up? Uh, or, or is the show process itself enough to keep you physically fit? Um, for a show like that and the other sh- hip-hop dance theatre shows that I've done since... Wouldn't need to. It's probably be too much to go to to gym as well, okay. to be honest. Uh, and these days, we always make sure we do a proper warm up with conditioning as part of it. Mm-hmm. So we do kind of light conditioning, but it's still important just to have everything kind of activated mm-hmm. and and so on. Um, there might be some occasional person who goes to the gym, but it will be because they want to build muscle, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then after the show, do you have to warm down as well? Is that important? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we normally do 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. So it's not, you know, home time or we can all go to the pub and eat. Yeah, you have to actually focus on getting yeah, the body. Yeah, particularly with the Zoo Nation dance company now. Um, I would say in musical theatre, um, I haven't done as much recently. It was more in the beginning of my career, but they wouldn't have that. There wouldn't be any warm down uh, for what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's, it's so important for, for something that it's so strenuous. Some of the shows I do, you really have to really look after your body. So we have to do a cool down. We have to do a long uh, warm up and stretch all the way through the show and that kind of thing. Because it's such high intensity, isn't it? You know, you are spinning, you are flipping, you are tumbling, you are really putting your body in every kind of shape and movement that's almost physically possible. I don't know how you <laughs> can do all that kind of balancing. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a lot of practice. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, when you work with people who are incredible, like incredible dancers, you just learn so much from them. Mm. I think the majority I've learned from people I've worked with. Okay. So, Tommy, so you did your um, three years. You went and did the bounce show in between. What happened Mm -hmm. when you graduated? I auditioned for uh, a show in um, Italy, in Rome, called Tosca, Amore Disperato. 
which was a musical uh, written, uh, was newly written, but around the story of Tosca. And it was written by a, uh, a pop singer, a very famous one in Italy. And, um, and we were working with, um, the choreographer was uh, a guy called uh, Daniel Azrello. And he is an American choreographer who founded the company Momix. Okay. I don't know if you know about Momix. They do kind of circus and contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was, a, that was a great experience. Wow. Yeah. Getting to perform, you know, in Italy as well, I guess, with a different audience. And it must have been a whole new learning curve for you. Yeah, it was. Because I couldn't speak Italian. So that was one learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to learn as much as possible. Uh, there was quite a few, like, stunt-ish things that we had to do. We had, I, I was sliding, did one of those um, zip lines from the back of the audience. And it was, uh, it was a big auditorium. I had to go across a whole audience, like diagonally across, and then come down. And we had a big fight scene in the beginning, basically. Um, oh my gosh! So that was fun. Why? <laughs> and maybe scary? Was it? A little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit. But yeah. I don't think I have know of any show apart from Barnum where there's like a zip line through the auditorium. That's incredible. Mm. Mm. So you did Tosca in Rome, and I know. Uh, in the years that follow West Side Story, you performed in Austria and a number of other shows in the following years. At the same time as well, am I right in saying that you were doing music videos for different artists and some adverts and mm. shoots and pop gigs, you know, all, all kinds of things over the next five, eight years? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime I wasn't in a contract with a show, then that's why I would, would do all the, the, the commercial pop videos and adverts and so on. Um, and then I would go back into a contract and I'll be kind of out of the commercial side and then come back in. So it always been back and forth in my career. That's amazing. And music video wise, I have to mention Duffy's Mercy video because that was massive at the time. What? That was the first... That first video, wasn't it? The debut song. What, and What was that like, getting a call-up? Do you want to be in this music video? Well, no one knew who, uh, who Duffy was at that time. So I was mo- most excited because I was going to get to do some stunts in it. So they put me on fire in that one after the dancing. Um, and so, yeah, so I didn't know who she was. She was very sweet, I remember. And I remember thinking, as we had danced to the song all day, uh, that wow, actually, I, I'm not bored of it because <laughs> I normally have it. <laughs> it's like it's a really good song, actually. Yeah, I had a feeling that like, she was going to, you know, do pretty well. And with regards to the stunt side of things, you're quite fearless, aren't you? Because I know in in your you know downtime, you do climbing, you're martial mm. arts trained. From your Instagram, it seems you're fairly fearless. And so, <laughs> is that? part of your mindset when it comes to, to stunt jobs? Uh, yeah, um, there was a period when I wanted to become a stuntman. I did some stunt courses and so on. Um, I never pursued it in the end here in the UK because it's you have to pretty much put aside three years to adjust the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means I wouldn't be able, hardly be able to work. Um, so I, I changed my mind. But uh, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy that fear factor. And overcoming it, yeah. You need to get in a Bond film. 
Tommy. I think that That'd has cool. to be net. Yeah. You know, let's call your, <laughs> you need to call your agent. Um, okay. At this point, with all these jobs, as a dancer, do you have an agent? All the actors I speak to, they say to me that eventually you usually get an agent. Is that the same in the dance industry? Yeah, it works a bit differently in the dance industry because you have the commercial agents. You are very rarely um, solely repped by them. Mm-hmm. So I remember one point I had like 12 agents. So you're on everyone's books. So it depends which agents get contacted uh, to supply talent. Okay. So there might be that agent that time and another agent another time. So the only way to be exposed to all the jobs or as many as possible, you want to be with all of them. But in reality, it'll be a handful that you have, you know, real contact with and then the others just kind of fall off the cliff a little bit. Mm-hmm. So at this period, Tommy, would you say that your career was was heading in the right direction by doing the shows and then doing, you know, the other bits in between? Were you quite happy with the way everything was moving? Yeah, yeah, definitely, because I I get bored quite easily. So having all that kind of, you know, gigs in in, in my gaps, it, it just kept everything feeling fresh and then you get into a new show and you're excited about that show then you get exhausted and you get to do all these bits again so that's I always loved having that kind of career and lifestyle and how do you feel before you go on stage to perform in in whatever capacity it is do you get nervous does the adrenaline get you through it how do you approach it I always get a little bit nervous but it rarely gets out of control like it's a healthy nervousness I get really excited I either get really excited or I get tired it's like a I don't know what that mechanism is but sometimes I just get people just think I'm really chill but I'm actually nervous <laughs> but I, get, I just get yeah I don't know why so yeah so sometimes I just have to you know jump up and down on the spot just to kind of you know get my energy back up yeah they say that though, don't they? Lots of podcasts I listen to, it's a great technique to get you ready for any kind of event that might make you feel nervous, whether it's, you know, public yeah. speaking or an interview or anything. Mm-hmm. Get excited and, and pump yourself up. Yeah, it really works. So in 2010, So You Think You Can Dance came along. Yep. This was the first season ever in the UK. What made you decide to apply? Um, I did get a, a call from an agent, funnily enough, uh, or an email or something to go for it. And I didn't actually consider it at all. And then I spoke to uh, a mate of mine and he, he said, well, you should totally go for it because it's all about knowing lots of different styles. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, my strength has been um, being versatile, really, and be able to do many different styles, but I haven't really specialised in any of them, like on a really, really deep level. Um, so, and most competitions when it comes to dance, you specialise, it's like that one style that you compete in or, and so on. So I never thought of comp- competing because of that. Then I thought it's a reality TV programme and there wasn't something that sounded particularly appealing to me um and i hadn't seen so you think it does i didn't know what it was but he was obsessed by the program and said like you should definitely go for it so i eventually inquired about it wasn't quite sure 
And so you think in dance, they um, started setting up meetings with agents and their dancers. I think a lot of people was, was a bit reserved at that point. So I went to one of those meetings to speak to them directly to just kind of iron out any misconception about what the program may or may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I decided to give it a try, but I was nervous. I was worried that it could be a bad career move. So, And it was the opposite. It was, luckily. It could have gone the other way. Yeah. <laughs> it could have gone anyway. I think it opened up different styles of dance that perhaps wider audiences hadn't consumed before. Did you enjoy the process? I did, actually. I loved working with different choreographers and learning different styles every week, coming up with a new challenge, basically. Um, It was, you know, super hard, uh, both emotionally and physically. But I liked that. I like like short-ish intense periods uh, of something like that. So yeah, the challenge was great. And is that because you know there's a kind of start point and an end point so you can really throw yourself in, focus everything, go for it, but you know that then there will be something else afterwards different? Yeah. But in this occasion, I had another job. Um, There was a show called Blaze and I was for the first time... uh, actually choreographing for a, for a major dance hip hop theater show. And I, I was also going to be um, a resident choreographer. Oh, wow. Resident director, I can't remember, choreographer I think it was. And so the problem was that if I went to the final, they would overlap two weeks with the rehearsals for Blaze. So that was my reservation as well. So even when I got chosen for So Think, the last 14, I still wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. So we had negotiations between that production blaze with So You Think, with my agent and me and just going back and forth. Um, and in the end, uh, Blaze uh, agreed on that they would give me two weeks off, uh, even though I had such a big responsibility mm-hmm. uh, on it. Yeah, if, if it happens that I went to the final, so... So yeah, so I decided to go ahead, but that meant I had one day off and then I was straight into rehearsals two weeks behind and it was, yeah, it was quite tough and stressful to catch up and, you know. I bet. Did you find (laughs) that when you finished the show, people were suddenly knowing who you were and you perhaps became more well-known? Yeah, definitely. It was a weird phenomenon, to be honest. Um... Especially, yeah, during So Think and maybe up to two months after, people recognize me all the time on the street. Um, these days, it happens rarely. It happens every now and then. There'll be someone I was like, oh, I remember you <laughs> 10 years ago. But yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. Did you like it? Because, you, you know, some people do like being recognized and find it very easy to go with and and some find it unnerving unsettling um it was a bit unsettling i i appreciated it but i also realized that i never want to be want to be famous where you get recognized all the time because uh, part of your freedom goes and you get a little bit addicted to it as well at the same time so it's almost like getting addicted to uh something you know, a bad drug or something, like something not good for you. 
a little bit. And then that's that kind of eventually you get less and less attention then you feel like you are less worth in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of people who get famous very quickly, especially if you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so it was a weird, it was a weird thing, I must say. So what was it like then having to get Blaze, get all the choreography ready for the show in a, in a not a huge amount of time? Um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I had to work hard. I would definitely have to work evenings and stuff. I, I remember having to choreograph in the evenings because in the daytime, obviously, we'd be learning new numbers, but also trying to catch up on the numbers that I hadn't learned. So... Uh, it was lots of choreographers involved in that show, so I, I was choreographing a, a few numbers, but it had to kind of get the evening slots, like <laughs> from 7 to 10 p.m. type thing. And was this then the beginning of your choreography career? Yeah, I think it was actually. That was probably the first proper choreography job that I did get. And I found that since I think... Uh, especially straight after that, I got a lot of requests for choreography, actually. That must have been wonderful. Yeah. And did you feel that you could pick and choose jobs? Um, yeah, I think the first period after Blaze, it was kind of a weird kind of summer of there the wasn't so much. And I think everyone felt that from so think because most people thought we were just really busy so no one would contact us okay. it was kind of more that oh there must be busy so you know that's so <laughs> and, interesting yeah. and i think a lot of us wasn't working that much just after the program we kind of picked up later um but it got really busy yeah eventually got really really busy and i kind of had to you know, pick and choose and and so on so it's, that was nice wonderful <laughs> Um, and it was at this point, wasn't it, that you got involved with Kate Prince's Zoo Nation? Yeah. How did that all come about? Because I think it's phenomenal, all the work that Kate does and Zoo Nation does and, you know, all of you dancers and choreographers together. Was that like a dream job? Um, he actually, um, I knew of Kate, we knew of each other since I did Bounce because she started her company, I think the year before, mm-hmm. Zoo Nation. So we were kind of working alongside each other and we had um, mutual friends and so on. And we didn't have a chance to work together until she asked me to assist her on the Beijing Olympics 2008 <sighs> and to dance in the, uh, the ceremony. Um, I think there was maybe I had been asked before to uh, to do the show she was doing into the hoods, but I don't think it it worked out um, dates wise and so on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the first time I worked with Kate, and then after so think is when she asked uh, me to um, be part of some like a hip hop, which was a new creation for her, and uh, she had written a role for me in the wow. show. So. Yeah, got to do it now. <laughs> I took on again so many things in one production and creating this role of Simeon Sun. Uh, so that was very hard work, but so so rewarding. Because uh, the yeah. show 
Some Like It Hip Hop, Mad Hatter's Tea Party, and Message in a Bottle, which of course you were in most recently when lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, helping choreograph the shows and in them as well. Yeah. Yeah, Song Like It yeah, Hip like Hop was the one I choreographed the most in. Did a couple of things in Manhattan. And, but in Message, uh, I, was, um, I wasn't doing as much, which was uh, kind of nice because then I could concentrate more on my performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I was assisting Kate. I was an assistant choreographer, so um, it wasn't too taxing. Because what I always worried about is that with something like hip-hop, for example, when you've got so much to do in one show and the most important thing for me is to pull off the performing side. Mm-hmm. Everything you kind of compromise on time and be able to think about your character and affect your moves when you're constantly thinking about the other people and what they're going to do in the show. <laughs> and the characterization in all of those shows, it's really incredible, isn't it? You go really deep into the character um, mm. to portray it. You're, you're dancing, telling the story and bringing the character to life as well. Yeah, it is, it is a lot. But that's what, that's what I love about hip-hop dance theatre. I love when you can express a story with your moves, you know, with your tell, telling a story with, especially with hip-hop. Like, I, I really enjoy that. And I enjoy choreographing numbers where I can do that as well. You know, have those, make a meaning out of this moves that normally doesn't mean anything more than looking cool, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And is it a wonderful release to be that creative? What's that like, you know, creating something from almost nothing? Well, um, with Kate's productions, she is normally or always, I should say, that she creates the story, she creates the narrative, she creates the the characters, initially anyway, um, and when she would give me a task to choreograph the number, she would have um, already the outcome she wants from the number. And quite often she would know what structure the number has, what, what certain points things needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I would then choreograph around that. So I already have my frame, um, which makes it uh, a bit easier, I find. Um, some people thrive in an area when you've got total freedom or if you can create anything you want. I haven't actually been in that space until recently, maybe we'll talk about it later, about Strictly and stuff, when we've got pitch ideas. Um, so I've been, been more kind of comfortable and used to working within a certain frame. Um, so, yes, yeah, so you don't have to think up everything from the start. Like Kate has done that part. Okay. Do you have a notebook, Tommy, you know, by your bed, just in case you wake up in the night with an idea? (laughs) I probably should. I'm not very good at noting things in notebooks. When I choreograph, I do do it. I have to force myself to do it, um, just to have things on paper. But um, it's not natural for me to do. How did you feel when Message in a Bottle had to close when lockdown happened? Because you were... Had only not been open that long, had you? No, I think we did about eight weeks. We had one week left at Peacock Theatre, and then we were just about to go on tour. Um, but we all kind of knew, as it was leading up to it, um, that it was going to happen. About you know a week before or so, we 
started getting kind of gist of what was going to happen in, in the UK. Uh, and then we have a, had a big talk on a Friday, quite a night. We came back, did a Saturday night. And then by Monday, all the theaters closed. So it wasn't a shock to us. It was kind of, you saw it coming. But it, it was strange. It was so strange. So suddenly there's, you know, we've been so involved. This really intense period of creating it and a strange performances, you know, seven or eight shows a week and then kind of suddenly nothing. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and do you know when it might be able to pick up again? Um, I think they want to get it back spring next year. Like most theatres are looking to kind of come back around March, April, and I think it will be similar to this show, um, but very loose pl plans because we, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed. Um, Tommy, what was it like then being part of the Beijing Olympics? That mm. is not something, you know, that comes around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was incredible. I, I loved it. It was the first time I've been to China always wanted to go um, exploring Beijing and working on the, the ceremonies was just really cool. And then the experience was just immense. I think it was something like 90,000 people there. Gosh. And yeah, it was very strange. Like I'm so used to performing in the theater where you got actually, you feel the contact with the audience because mm -hmm. they're so close. But in an arena, in a stadium like that, they're so far away. So it feels like, almost felt like you could do anything and no one would see you, but it's quite the opposite, you know? <laughs> You're also alone out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting point. Um, mm. There were a lot of eyes on you. Yeah, you... lots of eyes. Uh, you know, the whole world was watching, but I never felt more alone performing. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> I want to highlight the fact that you were nominated for an Olivier Award in 2012 for mm, Outstanding yep. Achievement in Dance. That must have felt really good. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? <laughs> We've got the right person? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Um, and then the following year, you won an NDA Award, Critic Circle Awards. What was that like? Um, yeah, again, I was, I was shocked when I actually won this one because at that point, I think I had a, a thing in my mind about coming second <laughs> since so because so, I was nominated the year before for the same award and I didn't win. And then I got nominated for, uh, the Olivia award. I didn't get it. I got actually nominated for the South Bank award as well. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, was it breakthrough award? I think. I didn't get that one either. So when I finally won, I was like, wow. <laughs> that was uh, unexpected. Wow. That must have felt really, really nice. And Yeah, you know, it was. Very nice Lovely. to have on your CV as well. <laughs> yeah. So, Tommy, the last few years, you have been involved in Strictly Come Dancing. Yes. <laughs> what was that phone call like? Um, I'm choreographing with uh, Lissy Goth, uh, who I've been working a lot with, with, with Blaze and Zunation, and we were both in So Think, 
previous guest on this podcast. Ah, there we go. Yeah. So you know all about that. Yeah. And um, we've got Kate Prince to thank for this job, to be honest, because she had been offered it and she couldn't do it, but she recommended me, Lizzie, to do it. So, yeah, it's all down to her, really. Yeah. I mean, you and Lizzie have choreographed some epic couples' choice dances over the last few years. Oh, thank you. Um, do mm-hmm. you have to start thinking about that months and months before? Uh, when it comes to couples' choice, you only know about uh, not even a week before you may work with a couple, depending if they're staying or not. No. So then you start looking at ideas and music choices and the production might have their idea or what they don't want, for example. So, yeah, it, it normally is a bit of a, a mini pitch uh, at that stage. And then we start working on it, but you don't want to work too much in case mm-hmm. it's they don't pull through. Mm-hmm. And isn't that quite an intense week of work? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we get the go-ahead, then we go into studio, we have a creation day. But at that point, we would have the music edited and lined up so we know where we're working with and the concept. So we would normally, on a Sunday, create the number, start teaching on a Monday, and then rehearse with them during the week. And yeah. Wow. And just remind us some of the dances that you've created. Street commercial is the style. Mm-hmm. So that's the only ones we've been doing is street commercial choice. Okay. The first year we were working with Karen and Charles. They got the highest score they ever had in the series. Mm-hmm. I remember that and they were so happy. Um, and they did so well. It was so exciting. And it was exciting for us to kind of, because obviously they were testing us, but we were testing ourselves. Like, can we do this? Can we make something good? But with that music's choice, that we had and so on they felt like it was our bag a little bit so we felt pretty confident with that one this was in the 2018 uh and then uh got asked by um kevin uh, clifton for the final when he was dancing with stacy uh and he, he was my flatmate at the time as well <laughs> wow, wow amazing yeah, yeah. so choreographed that one um and, and yeah, remind and us, were... remind us what that dance was, Tommy. We had two different rooms: one for Kevin, one for Stacy, yes. and they were uh, getting prepared for performance. Um, and then they came out of those rooms, and then they came into the stage, and um, and then they did a, a jive bit that was Kevin's because he wanted a bit of jive in there. So we it was a bit of a collaboration uh, on that one in that sense. Because and then yeah, and then they went on to to win, which was. They were, didn't expect it at all. They, yeah, they, they hadn't, didn't see that coming at all. Did you feel so elated and and proud and ecstatic and? Yeah, I mean, in the green room, you know, I strictly went crazy. Everyone went crazy, in fact. <laughs> that must yeah. have been a good party that night, Tommy. It was a very good party. <laughs> And um, this year is the first year that you are now choreographing some of the group numbers. Yeah, yeah, we are. So the, the first year we did two numbers and then second year we did five. And then this year we were invited to pitch for the group numbers as well. So again, has been like a, a, a test for them testing us and we 
us testing ourselves kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, so we got asked to choreograph two numbers for them. Amazing. Yeah. When you're thinking about ideas and, and dance moves for the show, do you take yourself away to a dance studio and practice and see what works? Um, initially, once we've got the whole idea straight, uh, then we go into studio and put in steps down. So it's kind of the last thing. Mm-hmm. We need the music first. We need the concept. We need the, the characters and, and so on. And then, yeah, and the props and sets and so on. You need the props and the set and everything. When it comes together, it's just so exciting to watch. And I can't wait till October mm. to <laughs> sit on my sofa and uh, lap it all up. Um, I wanted to just chat to you, if I may, about some of the films you've worked on. Mm. Because, hello, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, I know we're going back to 2004, Mm -hmm. but that must have been awesome to be a part of quite early in your career as well. Yeah, it was great. It was the first film I've done, so that was really exciting. Harry Potter was, you know, everyone loved Harry Potter back then. Um, so did I. So I, I read the book and, and so on. Um, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, I think it was only about, you know, 17 days of work. So it wasn't a lot. It was one of the, uh, most the ball scene. Um, and I got to work with a brilliant choreographer, Wayne McGregor. Mm-hmm. He's got, uh, he's, an, he's excellent. He's got his own company, Random, and he choreographs with Royal Ballet a lot. Oh, and wow. Yeah, and he does a lot of films these days so yeah it's exciting and then mamma mia now did you get to go to greece and film yeah, that I did. <laughs> yeah oh how it, was that because it you know it looks like paradise yeah it really was i mean the, the first film was probably it's one of the most memorable one of the best jobs i ever done um it was the fact that we got to go out to Greece for I can't remember how many weeks now, it might be six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. It was amazing. And the production company, the director, everyone was so lovely. And even the actors were saying that they've never had such, such a chilled job and had so much fun because everyone was just lovely. I don't know if it was to do with being in the sun. It, was, it, it wasn't one of those stressful jobs, which I think films can get really stressful for the actors. But everyone had the best time. And if we were filming on a beach, for example, we would be on the in the you know the bay next to the, that bay where they're filming mm-hmm. on standby. But we'll be just swimming and having fun. Um, and then some days we weren't even called because they never got to our bit. So we would just be paid to, <laughs> to lie on the beach and swim. And and also another another thing about that film that was so incredible. We were meant to, and we did film it, but it never ended up in the film. But uh, a few of us uh, got to ride jet skis. So we had jet ski training uh, here in the UK. And then we learned how to do some stunts with them. And, and then we basically did formation riding um, on jet skis and being filmed from boats and all kinds of stuff, which was so much fun. It was incredible. Like I, mean, I got to do some of the stunt things as well, but none of that ended up in the film in the end. Okay. So it's a shame, but uh, but we had such a good time. Sounds like the dream, dream job. It really was. It really was. Awesome. And 
everybody's talking about Jamie, the film that was due out this autumn, yep. but has been delayed. The release has been delayed till 2021. You've been working on that as well. Yeah, so again, I've been assisting Kate on that one. I was uh, dancing in it as well. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so I did a bit of both on that one. Do you enjoy being behind the camera? And is that a very different medium to work with? It is. It is quite different being behind the camera. Um, I get more buzz off being in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But if you've choreographed it particularly, um, then you feel it's like it's your baby in front of the camera. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a joy to see the dancers enjoy it and see them perform it, see it come to life. It's all the bits and pieces. So it, it, particularly with Strictly, it's, it's, oh, it's so exciting. Um, if you're assisting in someone else's work, then you don't have the same kind of connection to the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, still enjoy it, but it's something special when it's your creation. And when it is your creation and you're watching it go out live, can you watch it relaxed? Or are you no. sat there watching <laughs> it tense? Yeah. Yeah. On the live performances particularly. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it can be quite stressful to be honest. I'm, I'm probably more nervous than they are. God, I bet you're like a proud dad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what it's like, I think. Um, so tell me, what has this period been like for you since March then, when lockdown arrived? Mm-hmm. Theatres, the majority have been shut, well, they were all shut at one point. Um, you know, the arts is on hold. The majority yeah. of. Um, how has life been for you? Um, I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> Strangely enough, um, I en- I enjoyed it because I get to take time to do other things that I've never had time for mm-hmm. um, normally. Um, exploring um, nearby parks, just walking down the river. Um, I been meaning to get into acting properly mm-hmm. since college that was always always my idea to go into dance and acting equally mm-hmm. um but then dancing took over so i started doing acting workshops um which has been great so that pushed me in that direction um started doing yoga every day as well and that's just felt so nice for my body mm-hmm. um and I don't know, it's something about stopping and the whole world stopping, so you're not like you're missing out, felt um, I could really rejuvenate and get excited about going back to work. Mm. So even though it's been, you know, financially not great, um, in other ways it's been, like, it's we're never going to get this chance again to actually stop. Mm. Um, so, you know, I know it's been very hard for other people, so... I'm, I'm grateful that I'm, um, it's, in a way, had benefited me in some ways as well, mm. and not just been a hard time. Yeah. And you mentioned the yoga and that time for your body just to kind mm. of, I guess, rejuvenate. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. What What is that like? Because when you're nonstop in a show and with message in a bottle, it is full on 100 miles an hour. Do you have to maintain a certain level of fitness during this time? Um, yeah, that's what the yoga has been for, really, to just keep me um, in shape to a certain degree. Um, in terms of practicing, practicing moves or flips and stuff, I haven't. Um, 
I think the, the younger ones have. <laughs> um, and I'll be doing lots of climbing because that's a big passion of mine. So um, I, I would never, ever not be physical, I think, because I love it. If it's not dancing, then it's climbing. If it's not climbing, it's martial arts. It's always something I'm burning for. Well, this brings me on to my next question. How do you relax? And your Instagram is a brilliant insight into your downtime because you do so much climbing, don't you? And everywhere. Mm. Yeah, especially since uh, lockdown east uh, up a bit, then I started going rock climbing outdoor a lot because otherwise I would mix it with indoor climbing, but the walls weren't open. So absolutely fell in love with the Isle of Portland. I have been there before, but now when we went there, it's like, it was incredible, it was so beautiful. It's like being on a Mediterranean island and then having all that climbing uh, at the same time, with beautiful views. And uh, even though it's, it's obviously hard climbing, but it is relaxing for the mind because when you climb, you are so focused and in the present that it's like meditation. It's my mind gets relaxed by climbing. I always feel better after a climbing trip. Um, so yeah, I, I use that as kind of a way of relaxing. So are you always on the go? Do you ever stop? Um, I rarely take days off, but if I do, then I might relax in the park or something like that. Um, go for a bicycle ride or walk or if it's evening, you know, actually during lockdown, I didn't watch Netflix for the whole, or anything TV for the whole time. And it wasn't until after I started getting, getting into some series and, um, yeah. Oh, but I, wow. I, do, I do watch Netflix. It's not like I don't. <laughs> so, but during lockdown, you didn't watch any? No, I think it, I felt that it was quite critical to be doing, put in the right routines for the lockdown mm-hmm. early. Because if we started watching Netflix straight away, then that would have been the way we kind of spent the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So instead, okay, we do yoga and we go out uh, for bicycle rides and walks in the parks and we'll do acting workshops. Mm-hmm. So that became the norm. And then we didn't have time. We didn't have time to watch Netflix, to be honest. And you didn't gain those COVID pounds either. You didn't gain the COVID lockdown no. pounds. Well, <laughs> No, I find that a lot of people went one way or the other. And I think that's what I was thinking. What do you do in the first week of lockdown or did with the first week of lockdown? Probably going to set a a precedence for what the rest of the lockdown is going to be like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we made sure we were active. (laughs) You're my hero. Amazing. And um, who would you say has been your biggest influence? Bruce Lee. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I know he's been an inspiration for many people, but um, he was the first idol I had when I was about, from about six or seven, maybe seven, I think. I got obsessed by watching his films. I got obsessed about I wanted to look like him. I started working out at seven years old, like doing sit-ups and pull-ups and press-ups morning and evening. Um, I think almost every day for about a year and then I started kind of <laughs> getting a bit lazier. God. 
but um, yeah, and I used to train martial arts at home all the time, practicing different kicks and punches he was doing. And yeah, I, I thought I never thought I was going to go into dance. I thought I was going to go into martial arts, and that would be it. Yeah, I did actually. I really enjoy it. I still enjoy it today, um, and I still want to do more martial arts. I still want to do martial arts in films. That's my dream since I was a kid. So, uh, and it's stuff like that that I'm working on now and hopefully can get into as time progresses. I can so see you doing that. Tommy, you have been such a brilliant guest today. I've (laughs) loved chatting to you, learned so much and can't wait to see you on the big screen. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's been Aww. great. That was dancer and choreographer Tommy Franzen. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes from your preferred podcast provider and follow me on Twitter at Shireen Jordan and on Instagram at Shireen R. Jordan.